to be a Christian and to have those beliefs be public. And I mean, what are you going to tell the queen? If she's like, I love Jesus, we're going to be like, you can't say that. She's like, I'm the queen. Like, I don't care what you have to say. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Monet Funka. And I'm Cara Devro, and today we're paying tribute to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II after her recent passing. We'll be talking about the significance of her long reign, the songs that will be sung both at her Thanksgiving service and at the state funeral, and we'll be sharing some hymns that you, our listeners, have sung in times of mourning. But first, we want to make a brief appeal to those of you watching or listening to this podcast. If you like us, and I mean really like us, there are a few ways you can support us. Of course, like and share this episode with friends. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you are subscribed to us. And you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter over at impartial.com. Or the best way of all is to consider supporting us financially on ko-fi.com slash impartial. This helps us pay the bills and will open up some more avenues for us to bring you better and better content. That's ko-fi.com slash impartial. Become a member today and help keep this podcast going. Okay, so um, you'll probably know by now that Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II passed away recently. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we start the episode, I just wanted to give you some background on what that means and what's actually happening because... Even in the UK, it's a bit kind of confusing. So I think particularly for our friends across the pond, it's going to be like, what, like, what's going on? What yeah. do you mean confusing? Well, because she's having basically multiple sort of funerals and mm-hmm. she died in Scotland. So mm-hmm. that means that things are different. And it's kind of like, well, when's the next person who's the next person gonna be ruling and when does that happen and all of that and Mm -hmm. like what actually happens to her where does she go like all of that so Mm -hmm. um she did have her diamond jubilee this year also why is it significant i think a lot of the world is looking and going she's an old lady she died like what is the (laughs) what does it matter what is the big deal here so i'm just going to talk you through some of that so yeah queen elizabeth ii was the uk's longest serving monarch um She had her Diamond Jubilee this year, celebrating 70 years of service to the British people, Mm -hmm. which is a lifetime for most people. Yes. Um, On the 8th of September, she passed away peacefully at her state in Balmoral, which is in Scotland, up on the east coast near Aberdeen. Mm -hmm. And she was 96 years old. Yeah. Um, Although this isn't kind of strictly him or church related, we felt it was an important event to mark because of its cultural significance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Queen Elizabeth was never meant to inherit the throne, but her uncle Edward VIII abdicated, making her father George VI heir, and he actually died young, Mm. unexpectedly, leaving Elizabeth as the new monarch at 26 years old. Mm -hmm. And she served from then until her death recently, Mm -hmm. which is a lot because she could have abdicated. Um, So the coronation took place in June 1953, um, just as a side note, although a monarch is named straight after the death of the previous monarch, it takes time before the coronation happens. What What is the difference between being named and being coronated? So being named is like the minute they die, it kicks off this process where the heir is named. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all this kind of like public 
declaration. So less than, I think it was like less than a day after she died, it was like Charles III is now king. Mm-hmm. He's not being crowned officially in the big ceremony. That's mm-hmm. the coronation, mm-hmm. the bit where they do all the carriages and mm-hmm. the parades and all of that. Mm-hmm. So that'll happen months down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, partly out of respect and partly because it's such a big thing to organize, I think. Yeah. Um, a lot has changed in the last 70 years that she, that Queen Elizabeth reigned. So her reign covered post-World War II austerity, the transition from Britain being an empire to becoming a commonwealth. Mm-hmm. It covered the end of the Cold War. It covered the UK's entry into and withdrawal from the European <laughs> Union. Yes. Um, and she's reigned through 15 prime ministers, the first being Winston Churchill, who was born in 1874, and then our newest prime minister, who was uh, kind of sworn in like a few days before Queen Elizabeth died. Mm-hmm. She was born 101 years after Winston Churchill. Wow. Yeah. So it's quite the legacy. Yeah. Um, her time and service as head of state has not been insignificant. No. And as I said, she's succeeded by her son, King Charles III, who's in his 70s now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what does all this mean? Here's a brief explanation of how things have gone, what happens next. So once the announcement was made at the Queen's passing, an announcement was also made that King Charles III would be succeeding her and they have to do that quickly um, for kind of political stability. Mm -hmm. So following that, he addressed the nation, which is really sad. You should watch it. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a good speech, but you can just see how torn up he is, which is really sad. On the day her death was announced... That begins a 12-day national mourning period, mm-hmm. which finishes, I think, on the day of her funeral. Which is the day this is... The day this episode This is episode releases. airing, yeah. So because the Queen died in Scotland, Operation Unicorn was triggered. And I honestly thought it was unicorn because, like, you never see unicorns and we didn't expect her to die. <laughs> but it's actually because the unicorn is Scotland's national animal. Ah. Uh. So... Her body was driven down from Balmoral through Aberdeen, Dundee, past Perth to Edinburgh... And a lot of people, like in Dundee, there were people, I was there on the day she drove through. And um, there were so many people like lining the roads Mm -hmm. to say goodbye. Yeah. Um, So when she got to Edinburgh, she lay in state at Holyrood Palace for about 24 hours. From there, there was a procession up the Royal Mile to St. Giles Cathedral, where a Thanksgiving service was held. So just to stop, because all of that is just jumbly bumbly to people who don't understand. But basically what Cara is describing is how she traveled from her estate where she passed away down to basically where the the head of the Scottish government is. There's a palace right beside. So Holyrood is the Scottish Parliament. Mm -hmm. And then there's Holyrood Palace, which is literally just across the road, Mm -hmm. which is a palace owned by the royal family. Mm -hmm. So lying in state is where she, her coffin is is put out. And I think members of the public can go see her. There was about a two mile queue, about 20,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and St. Giles is the big cathedral the that's big on cathedral. the Royal Mile. So the, the parliament is at the bottom of the Royal Mile mm-hmm. and the castle is at the top of the Royal Mile. Mm-hmm. And St. Giles is about two thirds of the way up from Holyrood to the castle. So if you've ever visited Edinburgh, you've seen all these places uh, because yeah. they're smack dab in the center. Big tourist spots, very yeah. famous church, very famous. John Knox yeah. was minister at St. Giles yeah. for a while as well. Um, if you know anything about him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, Sorry, continue. No, it's okay. <laughs> I realize this is like, yeah. <laughs> so from St. Giles, they had a Thanksgiving service. Now, this is where Operation Over study came in unicorn meant that she would have gone down on the royal train but they actually flew her from edinburgh airport okay um because it's just it's just faster isn't it Mm. so when she got to london she was taken to buckingham from buckingham her coffin was brought to westminster Mm -hmm. where she will lie in state until the day of her funeral which is the day that this episode releases Mm -hmm. Um, and the public can go and they can pay their last respects. Mm-hmm. Um, and the coffin just sort of sits there. Mm-hmm. Today, Monday 19th of September, is her state funeral. It's a national holiday in honour. Um, the funeral takes place at Westminster Abbey. And from there, she'll actually be buried at Windsor Castle, which is the family home where mm. most of the monarchs do get buried. Okay. Uh, Philip's buried there, her mm-hmm. husband, who passed away, I think, last year. Or the year before. I think it was last year. Um, yeah, 2021. Yeah. So there'll be a family-only service held at the chapel at Windsor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she'll be buried. So it sounds like a lot, and it is. And I haven't even gone into all the other kind of details surrounding who makes speeches and how mm. things are announced and all of that, because mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. Um it is the end of an era. Mm-hmm. It was really hard to believe when the BBC announced it. I was yeah. like, are they for real? Yeah, you told me. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we'd sat down to dinner and uh, my fiance was here and Monet's husband had said, oh, the Queen's not well. And we were like, oh, that's not good. And he said, you know, her family has flown into Balmoral. And I was like, that's really not good. Mm. Um, and then he kind of said to my fiance, wouldn't it be something like significant if you were here when she died Mm. and we ate dinner and after dinner we looked at the news and we were like oh my goodness yeah it's happened um yeah it's crazy so sorry if you were planning to go into this but I do want to take a pause and just speak on why we're talking about her on a hymn show yes this is where I was going next yes okay good we're I'm reading your mind without properly doing it but um you know, it's not just because we want to have an excuse to talk about the queen. Sure, that's part of it. But it's not our tradition, but Queen Elizabeth II, up until her death, was the head of the Church of England. And that's kind of a weird concept because it's almost popish. It's kind of, it's difficult because officially Christ is the head of the church. Yes. But the queen's kind of like... She doesn't have any say in in what gets done or whatever, but mm-hmm. she's like a sort of figurehead yes. thing. She's she's representative of the Church of England. Um, and while we might say, oh, you know, the Church of England is all right in this and not all right in that, and we might have some significant disagreements with our tradition versus the Church of England, we can see through her life, her public life, she was a very um, committed believer and a very committed Christian. Every single year, she gave a Christmas address. It got more and more explicitly Christian yes. as she got older. She would just be like, no, here's the gospel. Yes. And I think like that's, that's significant on two fronts because she was such an important 
person globally. Like, I mean, like prime ministers, presidents, you know, chancellors all over the world, like are, you know, mourning her, her loss. Um, you know, she was obviously, she obviously had an impact on the world to reign for that long, but also to reign for that long and to say, I am a representative of Jesus. You know, I think that is really significant. And when we get into in a minute, we'll talk through some of the hymns and some of the procedures around her, uh, the service, the various, various services that have been held and will be held today in honor of her and in tribute of her, it's just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus everywhere. And that's just a wonderful thing to see someone who, again, publicly was um, a representative of Christ, um, who had the significance in the world for them to pass away. Um, I think it's worth, you know, thanking God for their life and thanking God for how they reigned. I mean, for, for, those listening in America, I'll put my hand up. You guys are maybe more clever than I, but the whole British monarchy thing didn't really make sense to me because I'm like so American. I was like, what do you mean monarchy? You know, like I don't have no king except for Jesus. And yes, that's true. But the reality is that Queen Elizabeth and what we saw a few days ago, her successor, her son, they delegate their political authority to parliament. So she didn't have political power in the sense that she was making laws and, and changing legislation. It was really parliament that was doing that. But she obviously had a lot of political influence because she was the queen. And so to have someone with that much that much political influence and that long of a reign to be a Christian and to have those beliefs be public. And I mean, what are you going to tell the queen? If she's like, I love Jesus. We're going to be like, you can't say that. She's like, I'm the queen. Like, I don't care what you have to say. I mean, there are, there are rules and stuff about what they can and can't say. Yes. But her being the head of the church of England and also her having this personal faith. She could have, she, yeah, she could have been very nominal, very kind of like, Oh, I'll, token mentioned this but yeah. she wasn't she was much more kind she of wasn't, yeah yeah i mean it's hard to know uh i don't know where she was or anything but i think whatever you think of her and whatever your feelings on what she did or didn't do or should or shouldn't have done um you have to respect her sense of duty mm-hmm. um i think yeah yeah and you have to respect someone who served at her post until she was nearly a hundred yeah despite all the very difficult things that happened during her life mm-hmm. um various family issues as well yeah um but we're not talking about those no <laughs> um so we're gonna just briefly talk about some of the songs that were sung at her two services or are being sung mm-hmm. depending when you're watching this so at St. Giles, it was really interesting. That was the one in Scotland, the Thanksgiving service. Mm-hmm. They actually sang mostly psalms. Yeah. Which is interesting. I don't know if it's because Scotland has a much stronger psalm-only tradition or... Mm. I don't know. I don't know what that was about. So she had Psalm 100, which is all people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. 
um, which I shared that one. She had Psalm 118 verses 17 to 21 sung in Gaelic, which is Scottish Gaelic. Is it a national language? What would you no, call it? No, it's not a national language. It's just like a very prominent... Personally, well, in my head, I call it a vanity project. <laughs> Gaelic isn't a prominent language, so that's even Gaelic, a lie. Gaelic there. is a Highland language. Yeah. And there's nobody left who speaks only Gaelic and doesn't speak English as well. Um, the government are trying to bring it back, but weirdly mm-hmm. they're trying to like encourage it in the lowlands. And we would never have spoke Gaelic here. Mm. Like we're in Glasgow. No one spoke Gaelic. We spoke Scots mm. or Doric in the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a, it's fine. It's a nod to Scotland. Yeah. Uh, she also had Psalm 116 and she had Psalm 23, of course. Um, so that was St. Giles. And those were all sung. All sung. All sung. All sung. Which is very interesting and I think really beautiful that the the way that that they chose to pay tribute to her was just to sing the Bible. She also had Romans 8 read at her funeral as well in St. Giles. Romans 8. Yes. Oh, Which verses? It was, I think, from verse 27. Oh, don't we partake in some of that good old scripture, Eden? Romans she did. 8. She did have quite a bit of scripture at her funeral, which I thought was interesting because... Mm-hmm. Um, Although it's kind of obligatory because, you know, she's supposed to be the, the head of the church. So she should really have a Christian Eve funeral. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to have mm-hmm. as much as she did. Yeah. Because she could have gone with things like just poetry mm-hmm. or readings like that, like people do. It was like, I, I promised I wouldn't say their name, Harry and that other person's wedding where they had like. Yeah, it's like we have this because we have to. Well, I found they had like, it was not, it didn't feel like a Christian wedding yeah. at all. It was kind of like, it was like new agey and a little bit like. A bit fluffy and vague. Yeah, it was and, fluffy. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't as like serious. It didn't have that strong sense of liturgy and tradition yeah. like like the mm-hmm. Thanksgiving service did. So I'll read Romans eight twenty seven to the end. Um, which I just think is lovely. You just have to hear my voice. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foresaw, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are all we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, amen. It's not a go-to passage for non-Christians. Yeah, it's pretty much like, and you have to think about these things. Like a lot of us, well, everyone kind of dies unexpectedly, right? But Queen Elizabeth II was 96. Like they had been expecting her to pass away for a while. This is not something she wouldn't have had any input in. Yeah. Where she would have been like, oh, just do whatever feels right to you. They would have sat and had meetings and planned it out. And it would have been a whole thing. She had such a strong sense of duty in her life that... You have to remember that her funeral is her last duty. So she would have made sure that was done right. Yes, that's true. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, she did have quite a strong sense. And and that's just a lovely thing to see. You know, we think that like Christ being proclaimed in an effective way is like a good preacher or like a good you know, a good message, a good homily, (laughs) you know, a a good little something that we've packaged up, but God's word is the best thing for us to hear and to have her, um, represent Christ by literally having his word read out Mm -hmm. that millions of people are watching and sung read and sung in Scotland. Like that's a beautiful thing. Like I feel like you know, represent yeah. Scotland, you know, we really brought scripture. It's probably worth saying this is all the more significant because the service was largely done by the Church of Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, I'm just going to say it, they're dead as a doornail. <laughs> um, and so if you'd given the mo- current moderator reign, I'm going to get in trouble for this. <laughs> if you'd given him free reign to pick stuff for the funeral, he would have been like, oh, we could just have, I did it my way. Yeah. You know. It, yeah, yeah my it girl. would not have been yeah <laughs> yeah it would have been very very secular unfortunately oh, yeah. I think I think that's true and it would have been like a little tiny bit of bible sprinkled in yeah. so to see so much scripture um you know being displayed or proclaimed and then sung it's a beautiful thing and I know sometimes it sounds like we're like rah rah sing psalms Yes, we are. But I I, I think there's a reason why we're so passionate about folks singing psalms. And it's come up in so many conversations recently. It's like personal conversations, Mm -hmm. conversations with some of you guys. Like there's a full range of emotion in Mm -hmm. the psalms that we miss out on if we never sing them. I'm not anti-hymns, obviously. We're partial to hymns, which is why we do this show. But I think that we're discovering a new joy and passion for singing the Psalms because it's God's word. And um, and how wonderful it is to to lift our voices and to 
praise God or lament or worship or whatever yeah. with his own words. I was actually listening to a psalm as I got ready this morning. Nice. It was Psalm 88. So uh-huh. it's like, it was lament, but it was, um, it was a really good version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, it was interesting. Very psalm heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did actually sing Psalm 23, the version that she's sung. She had sung at my granddad's funeral. Okay. Because it's one that a lot of people know. Mm. Like a lot of people have no background, but they'll know, particularly the older generations, they'll know this version of the psalm. I can't quite remember how it goes though. I think it's like, the Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie. In pastures green, he leadeth me the quiet waters by. Mm. So, yep. That was, that was St. Giles. Mm -hmm. Um, Her funeral today at the time of release anyway, she will be having... As far as we know, because it might be subject to change, I have no idea. But she'll be having Psalm 121, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. Mm. And I think the closing one is Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. Nice. Yeah. It's sweet, though, because part of that is um, when I tread the verge of Jordan, bidding my troubled heart be still, Mm. death of death and hell's destruction, um, land me safe on Canaan's side or something Mm -hmm. and it's like oh that's like a real expression of faith in what happens shameless plug we do have an episode on that yeah on game we should do immortal invisible we should immortal invisible that's the one yeah i feel like i sang that very recently and i can't remember where yeah i don't think it was at our church but i did definitely sing it recently Mm -hmm. so hmm. they're both really good solid hymns as well yeah 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 um, and then there are a bunch of readings and stuff as well that are really mm. good. So that, that's her her things. It was interesting, um, Prince Philip, her husband, at his funeral, he had Eternal Father Strong to Save, Psalm 104, and mm. they sung the Lord's Prayer. Nice. So that was also very, um, yeah. very good. So that, that, was, that was or is Queen Elizabeth II's funeral and what they'll be singing Mm -hmm. and uh just some of our reflections on that we did also ask you guys as we finish up we asked you guys like what are some hymns that you've sung at funerals or would sing for funerals um and we got some really good responses there were some repeated responses and i was like that's interesting Mm -hmm. um so one was be thou my vision yes which is a great hymn we do yes yes we do an unusual one was uh, Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Mm. And the person who commented that said, oh, I sang this once at a funeral and it was just so victorious. And I thought, you know, that's true. There's a place for sadness and lament, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Yeah. So, good one. A couple of you said In the Garden or just The Garden. And I was like, I don't know what that is. So <laughs> we Googled it and we were like, oh, that one. I didn't know that's what it was called. Yes, I didn't either. And looking at the lyrics, let me just pull them up. There's a really funny office meme (laughs) for the chorus. Really? Yeah, because the chorus is, and he walks with me, and he talks with me. (laughs) And then they've made it, Andy walks with me, and Andy talks with me, and it's Andy from the office. (laughs) Oh, goodness. I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling 
on my ear, the son of God discloses. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Mm. I'd stay in the garden with him, though the night around me be falling. But he bids me go through the voice of woe. His voice to me is calling. I guess it's kind of like comforting-ish. Yeah, time yeah. to get out of here. See you later, guys. I'm going to be with Jesus. Yeah, I mean, maybe one day we'll do an episode <laughs> on that hymn because I do thought I had thoughts on it. I have some thoughts. Yeah, but we're um, yeah, we're getting on for time, so uh, we have a few more. So I saw a new vision of Jesus. It's a good one. I don't think I know that one. Oh, it's um, it's one you don't hear often. I know I've sung it a few times, but I haven't sung it for a long, long time. Hmm. It's, um, I saw a new vision of Jesus. Of you had not seen there before, mm. beholding in, glorious, in glory so wondrous, with beauty I had to adore. I stood on the shores of my weakness and gazed at the brink of such fear. T'was then that I saw him in newness, regarding him fair and so dear. I love those lines where it's like, I stood on the shores of my weakness. It's a good mm. hymn. We should also do an episode on that. <laughs> For yonder a light shines eternal, which spreads through the valley of gloom. Lord Jesus, resplendent and, and regal, drives fear far away from the tomb. Our God is the end of the journey, his pleasant and glorious domain. For there are the children of mercy who praise him for Calvary's pain. It's a good one. All right. Yeah, we should Thank put that for on that. the list. Yeah. For, uh, we did get the classic Abide With Me. Abide With Me, man. We also have an episode on that. We do. I used to hate it. Now I'm like, actually, it's it's decent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great is thy faithfulness. Oh, we sang that at my granddad's funeral. That's my great. My dad picked it. Great is thy faithfulness. And one of my all-time favorites, Be Still My Soul. Okay. Yeah. Of course, you were like, that's the number one. <laughs> well, I'm biased, okay? I make no bones about it. I'm like, I clearly love this song. <laughs> but yeah, that's also a good one. So those were some of the ones that our listeners suggested. Are there any others that you think, like you've Goodness. heard I don't know Amazing Grace I'm surprised it, no one suggested yeah. it yeah guys come on come on <laughs> I mean maybe that's more a secular one like I feel like I have to have something religious at my funeral so I'll sing the one that everyone yeah. knows it's almost like you don't want to do that song because people just be like here we go Amazing Grace and they, went, they maybe won't pay attention to the lyrics as much yeah. but then it is nice to have like everyone sing I don't know I don't know but uh, I know a lot of religious unbelievers have Psalm 23 as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's a difficult one. What would you have sung at your funeral? Have you thought about it? Um, I have actually. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, probably Be Still My Soul. <laughs> I was going to say Be Still My Soul. Um, but also, what was I listening to this morning? One of the Getty ones. Uh, Christ Our Hope in Life and Death. Oh. It's a newer one. I mean, yeah, I don't care. I'm one. not going to be there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if it's comforting or if it shares the gospel with unbelievers, then I'm good with that. This is a difficult one. It's hard to say what hymns I would want 
sung because they're my favorite and I love them (laughs) versus which hymns I would want to be sung because they have a clear gospel message of which I want those attending to Mm -hmm. hear and to hear well. I mean, I feel like there's a fountain filled with blood. (laughs) Honestly, that's the first thing that comes to mind, but Mm -hmm. it's obviously kind of like if you're a non-believer, you're like a fountain filled with blood. Like this is gruesome, but like, it's so beautiful. And I, and I think, I don't know if I said this to you, but maybe about two months ago or something, we were singing at church and I like burst into tears and I'm not like, someone who does that when you're singing but I just couldn't cope because I was like this is this truth the truth had overwhelmed me of the hymn and I just Mm -hmm. think like well you shouldn't let emotions guide you but your emotions do exist and Mm -hmm. they should correspond to reality and I feel as if my attachment to that song is based on how true it is and the reality of what we have in Christ. And so that might be one. There is a fountain filled with blood. So if I die, dear relatives, <laughs> understand why I picked that song. It's because I mean, it's so true. Read the lyrics. <laughs> I trust my parents to pick good hymns, but I'm like, in theory, I should outlive them. So I'm trying to think. Probably well, yeah. <laughs> probably future husband well, to pick the, I, pick I've up asked the hymns. If it's okay if I die first so that I don't have to mourn him because I'm selfish. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's also kind of a a sweet slash dark note in the sense <laughs> that, you know, Queen Elizabeth um the second lived a long life, a long life that God gave her, you know, and we have much to thank the Lord for in that. Whether mm-hmm. you love the royals, hate the royals, whether you don't care what which way or whatever, the Lord did grant her that time. And when her husband passed away last year, they had such a deep bond in their marriage and such a closeness. And to think that she kind of barely outlived him, I think, speaks to that heartbrokenness yeah. that happens when you've lived that long with someone and they they die you think oh I just can't go on so you just have to keep it close yeah <laughs> keep it close if you pass then or he passes then you just you know maybe your heartbrokenness will take you over I don't know but I, I think the other thing to remember is looking at the hymns that um, Her Majesty chose or has had at her funeral, mm-hmm. like they're not without hope. And those oh, readings, absolutely. like Romans, like we're talking about this. It's a dark subject. We're talking about, you know, what would we have at our funeral? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't mind. Like I said, oh, yeah. I'm not going to be there. Um, I don't but, think it's dark necessarily. I think it's reality. Like, yeah. it's, it's almost like when as you if say everyone dies unexpected, and I was like, well, no, they don't, because we know that the wages of sin is death. Yeah. <laughs> so we know we're all going to die. It's just the win. It's the wind the wind, is unexpected, yeah. pretty much. Or the how sometimes as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's it sounds morbid to be like, oh, let's reflect on our funerals or thinking about when we die. But I but think some too. Well, I think sometimes we live our lives as if we don't expect to die. Yeah. It's like, but that's It's like I was saying about Operation Unicorn. Like yeah. I don't think any of us thought she would actually die. I mean, she's ninety six, of course she will. But she's been there longer than most of us have been alive. So it's mm. like weird that she's not anymore but it is that reminder um that we all die yeah but that we have a hope well what do they say only one life soon will be passed 
Only Only what's what's done done for Christ will last. So whether the Lord gives you seven minutes, 70 years, 96 years, 110, however long you have, you know, live a life that honors the Lord, um, that puts others before you, that says that there are certain things more important than your own happiness. These are things that lessons we could take away from. The late queen. And, and, and let these things remind you to live in light of eternity and not in light of now. Yes. Amen. Well, Cara, thank you for walking us uh, peasant Americans through <laughs> the, uh, the procedures of the last few weeks. And we pray that this episode was beneficial to you guys, that you're thinking and reflecting on what it means to mourn with hope. And um, yeah, Go to Kofi.com slash impartial. Consider supporting us. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, or, you know, leave us a five-star review. That would be super duper helpful. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Bye. Bye.